The Lifestylist, episode 50, featuring Jason Robel. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. You're listening to part one of two with my guest, Jason Robel. Don't forget to catch part two this Friday. Mi familia, que paso? It's your old pal Luke Story here with the Lifestylist Podcast, bringing you today's guest, Jason Robel. Jason was kind enough to stop by the studio. We sat down and talked for, oh, about an hour and 10 minutes, and we covered a lot of territory, my friends. Jason is a celebrity vegan chef, now an author of an amazing cookbook called Eternity. That's E-A-T, clever name, right? And we talk about how to build the ultimate lifestyle. So bringing in elements of mind, body, and spirit. We spent a lot of time talking about what to eat and what not to eat. And he has a very interesting perspective, having been someone that's fed people for a long time. He's also fed some pretty damn famous people too. So we talk about what it's like to work with celebrities and how to not be all starstruck, awkward, and weird. (laughs) We cover how to optimize your sleep, both from an environmental and a supplementation. Wow, say that twice. An environmental as well as supplementation standpoint. Jesus. How to keep your vitamin and mineral levels up if you're on a vegan diet. The best food and supplements for sexual health. What? Talking about a little sex, y'all. How to build up that testosterone and crush it. We also talk about how to deal with depression and anxiety by changing your lifestyle and things like the best pre-workout supplements. And then more than anything, really, maybe more important than all of that is how we wrap it up at the end, talking about the dangers of being a diet control freak, guilty as charged, and the hidden childhood issues that help manifest that type of insanity in your life. So we really cover how to live a balanced but healthy and happy life. And I thank you so much for joining me. It gives me such pleasure to share these interviews with you. Thank you so much for listening. As we move into 2017, I want to let you know that I've ramped up my coaching services. So if you're interested in working with me one-on-one via Skype, remotely, or in person in Los Angeles, you can go ahead and book me at lukestory.com forward slash coaching. And on that page, you'll find the different services that I offer and what I might be able to help you with. I'm doing this as a result of multiple inquiries via email and on social media from you, the listener, asking me very specific sometimes long and very detailed questions about lifestyle recommendations. It's oftentimes (laughs) too much information to type, so I'm putting myself out there for you, okay? So hit me up at lukestory.com forward slash coaching if you're interested in working with me. And by all means, if you have suggestions for the show or any questions that you'd like me to address, please send me an email at info at lukestory.com and I will either answer the question or find the appropriate guest to do so. A massive part of my health strategy is the ingestion on a regular basis of medicinal herbs and medicinal mushrooms. And my primary source for those is a company called Four Sigmatic. If you remember way back in the day in episode eight, I had a guest by the name of Taro Isakapula from this company. And we talked all about the power of these amazing herbs and mushrooms. 
Well, Four Sigmatic do a great job of making them not only potent, but also convenient and delicious. So they make these little packets of herbs that you add to hot water, cold water, or bulletproof coffee, whatever your recipe is. I make them with all kinds of different stuff all the time. It makes a really easy way to get this stuff into your body. And these are herbs that have a real effect on you. It's very powerful stuff. So go to foursigmatic.com, but wait, I'm going to hook it up. When you get to foursigmatic.com, enter the code THELIFESTYLIST at checkout to save 15% off your order. So you can get things like reishi mushrooms, chaga mushrooms, cordyceps, lion's mane, ashwagandha, all the good stuff that really works. So go to foursigmatic.com, enter the code THELIFESTYLIST and save 15% off your order. Jason Robel is a world-renowned leader in organic, raw, vegan cuisine, culinary education, and Epicurean entertainment. With a focus on radical simplicity and artful presentation, he imbues his ecstatic raw food creations with the energy of fresh, local, organic produce and the healing properties of raw superfoods, which have rendered his dishes hands-down favorites among celebrity clients and regular folks alike. Jason's fans include Woody Harrelson, Jeremy Piven, Robin Wright, Sigourney Weaver, and tons of other celebrities that consistently rave about his healthy, innovative, and delicious plant-based creations. Welcome to the Lifestylist Podcast, Mr. Jason Robel. What's up? I'm excited to be here, brother. Uh, just got back from a long road trip, uh, Miami, Atlanta, East Coast uh, book tour action. And I'm just happy to ground in, be back home in LA, and be back with my bed. It's funny, it's the little things. I, I love being on the road, and I love meeting fans and, and meeting people that have been following me all over the world. But there's something about coming back home you know, to your sleep sanctuary, to your own space. So I've been back for about two days now, and just, just reintegrating, brother. So yeah. it feels good. Oh, only two days. Cool. Well, thanks for coming by. Yeah, it's I my appreciate pleasure. It. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean because I go to New York a lot and usually I'll stay in an Airbnb. And then sometimes if I can't get the Airbnb that I want, I'll have to stay in a hotel. And the main criteria by which I judge an Airbnb or a hotel is how dark I can get it, <laughs> how cold I can get it, and the quality of the mattress. I bring. Absolutely. I have a Samina pillow, which is like Samina beds are like my dream bed. I'm I'm working my way up to getting one of those, but I have their pillow. I bring it on the plane. I mean, like I won't sleep on another pillow just based on well, not just toxicity, but just comfort. It's just like organic latex pillows. So yeah, when I come home, I have like the poor man's healthy mattress, which is a Casper. Oh, I don't know that brand. It's cool. I mean, it's non toxic. It's not like 100% organic. But it's the most affordable and comfortable and like widely available mattress. It was like I think a thousand bucks, and you can pay it off over a year. And it doesn't have VOCs and flame retardants. It doesn't have like the majorly nasty stuff that mattresses typically have. There's no springs in it. It's not like an EMF, you know, <laughs> antenna on your body. Right. But dude, I know exactly what you mean. So how long were you gone again? I was gone. I was gone almost two weeks. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So it wasn't like months and months, but but it was an intense two weeks. You know, yeah. I was doing a lot of festivals a lot of cooking demos, health lectures, book signings. And it is fun, but for me, I'm learning energetically. There's a balance in life where, you know, I'm a naturally very extroverted person. Uh, I really feed off the energy of big crowds. I noticed that from your videos. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, I, I love big crowds. I love, I love meeting people, interacting with people. But there's also, I find after, um, I don't know, it, it varies depending on how long and hard I've been going. But there's just a point where I almost uh, have to flip it energetically back where I need to go and cocoon and reclaim my energy and, and have alone time. So yeah, after two weeks, man, of just going hard, it's so nice to just cocoon back home right before the holidays. 
so I'm just, for me, my philosophy is just always trying to achieve balance in life. And to me, that seems to be an ever-evolving target of what is what does balance mean now in my life, not what did it mean five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, but trying to incorporating those methodologies, we're talking about a sleep sanctuary. That's a relatively new thing over the past five years for me. But tweaking that, whether that's trying new sleep supplements, uh, getting the blackout curtains, unplugging all the EMF. Uh, I invested in a great mattress. There's a my mattress brand is a Essentia. Oh, those are yeah, those are out of Canada. The, yeah, those are badass. They're dope, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so for me, it was like I, that I looked seriously. at those at one point. It was like the one that I wanted that had the pillow top feature was yeah. like seven thousand. I was like, yo, I saved up for that for a while. For a while. <laughs> yeah. On that note, because people always trip on the beds, like Samina beds run anywhere from ten to thirty thousand dollars for the whole system. I mean, right. I had the U.S. rep Klaus on my show, but you know, it's like when he was on, we talked about your bed, dude. That's like where you spend a lot of your life. You know, I have no problem like dropping thirty five thousand dollars. Actually, a lot more now that I think about it. On a car, it's like, well, I mean, I got to have a nice car, and I want everyone to see how cool I am and how successful I am in my nice car, right? And all that, just halfway kidding, but not really. Um, <laughs> but a bed is like no one sees that shit. You're not going to post your bed on Instagram and be like, "I got an Essentia, bro. What do you have?" You know? <laughs> it's, like, it's hard to like humble brag your fucking mattress, which is covered up with sheets and stuff anyway. But in terms of like actually caring about your body and your well being, I mean, you're you're like you said. Would you say your sleep sanctuary? Yeah, my sleep. Yeah, sanctuary. that's crucial. Yeah, I think though on Instagram, how you could sell that is have somebody just really sexy in the bed behind you, just yeah, like yeah. sprawled out, <laughs> yeah. like you're in the foreground and someone's just in the back, just chilling, all sexy. You could be like, oh, I could sell some mattresses. Yeah, totally. Could you you could be like, well, I'm not sure how I'm going to use my new mattress, but you might be able to guess, bro. <laughs> <laughs> have some yeah. ideas. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the cocoon theory I really relate to. And you're you're sitting in front of my cocoon. My cocoon is right there. It's my infrared sauna. And uh, I mean, that's like where I go to be quiet and be alone and regenerate. And I'm not trying to plug my own podcast here, but I just talked to so many fantastic people. And one of them was Dr. John Gray, who wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, yeah. right? Fantastic guy. And we did a Skype interview on the show, and he talked about hormonally what happens when a male is out in the world, like producing, being proactive, expending testosterone, whether that's in a relationship with one person or multiple people, just doing their work, doing their, you know, sharing their gift with the world, that when they come back home, they have to regenerate by being alone and by being quiet. And it's really weird because in relationships, I've had issues because. You know, like with my ex-girlfriend, we used to go out all day long and go shopping and run errands or just go out and have a really great quality time together. And yeah. then we'd come home and I was like, all right, peace. Like, I got to get away from you, <laughs> you know? And it's not because we were fighting or I didn't like her or anything, but it's just like I had to go like veg out and like just obsess on social media or, you know, read the paper, read a book. I had to get away from her and I always felt so guilty. And she would always say to me like, why don't you care about me anymore? Like she would get super hurt. And I was yeah. like, I can't help it. Like, I don't like you as much right now. I have to be by myself and then I'll like you again. So there's something to be said for that on a hormonal level. I learned, you know, when you're out doing your thing in the world and you got to come back and like regenerate. Yeah, I think that's important. I mean, for uh, probably the longevity of any relationship, right, is there's that togetherness, but there's that separation. I think that creates the kind of contrast, at least in my relationship experience, that leads to really good relationships. It's just that, again, balance of togetherness and seclusion. But it's interesting you bring up the testosterone thing because that's something that I've been really focusing on hardcore the past two years. It's as soon as I realized 40 was approaching very quickly, 
it was this idea of, okay, I've never had my blood panels. We were talking about that before the podcast interview. I've never had my panel tests done, never had a good look at any of my nutrient values or my testosterone. But the more I was reading and researching about the book I wrote, Eternity, testosterone and HGH kept coming up, especially for men as we age. So I went and got my blood panel test done. I was definitely lower than the, the median in testosterone, which explained kind of my lack of sex drive and some things that were going on at that time a few years back. And so I started to just tackle like my hormonal issues, hardcore brother, and, and looking at ways I could elevate my HGH naturally and not use steroids. So that's something I've been focusing on as a man for probably the last two, two and a half years and feeling really good. Started weight training, started adjusting my intake nutritionally, uh, started intermittent fasting, which I'm a huge fan of. So it's just interesting you bring up testosterone of, of rejuvenating in isolation. I never actually thought that that would lead to a hormonal balance. Yeah, so you're giving yeah. me good stuff. Yeah, apparently when you're by yourself, if you're male, you build it up. That's how you build it up. Yeah, interesting. And you deplete it when you, I forget the exact thing, I'm going to misquote him, but it's something like when you're producing oxytocin, Yeah. You know, when you're with someone and you're being loving and you're close to someone, you're depleting your testosterone. And so if you're wow. making love or being affectionate or anything like that, you're actually getting drained of testosterone. And so, <laughs> you know, and that goes, you know, that also speaks to the point of like a lot of men when they have sex, they're like, cool, okay, I, you know, I was super into you person a minute ago. And now like I pretty much want to walk away. Right, <laughs> you know? right. It's like, you're not a dick. You're just, your body's going, whoa, we just, we just got drained, you know, metaphorically and literally and we're like we got to go rebuild you know yeah makes a lot so, of sense um, so you, what kind of other stuff did you do with your hormones because I'm, I'm fascinated about your panels because I know that you I'm not going to call you a vegan because we don't want to label human beings by what they eat it's so weird to me yeah but you do not eat animal products, right? Correct. I offered you some bone broth. You're like, no, I'm good. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have any ghee or any, you know, like, like I said, some vegans are like vegans, except when it comes to ghee and bone broth and things that are, you know, not like a steak. But I'm always curious about when a vegan gets their blood work done, you know, like their K2 and their, uh, I don't even know if they test that, but the B12 and mm -hmm. omega-3s and hormones and all that kind of stuff that especially the hormones that seem to be largely affected by the amount of fats you have and having the right fat. So where did you come out on all that stuff? It was interesting. A lot of stuff that a lot of vegans would typically be deficient in, I was really good in. B12 was strong. Um, iron was strong. Uh, vitamin D was strong. Uh, didn't measure for K2, but I eat a I lot I don't of know if they can measure for that now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I just know that it comes primarily from animal sources. So I'm right. thinking like it might even not be a metric that people are looking at. Yeah. But it's something that would have been historically abundant in our diet. And yeah. Like butter is really high in K2. I stuff. did research K2 though, just because uh, the research I was doing for um, the chapter in the book on um, bone health of just the role of K2 in building strong bones and cartilage, that one of the best sources in the vegetable world is actually a product called natto. It's a traditional oh, yeah. Japanese product. Ultra, <laughs> ultra fermented soybeans. You can get them non-GMO. You can find them organic. There's actually a, a brand you can get at some of the Asian markets around here. I think it's Megumi Natto. Yeah, and, I used to order that online. Okay, so frozen. You, you, yeah. You've had it. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if it's this sticky, icky, fermenty, like the most rottenest, cheesy flavor you can imagine. 
but it's really, really high in K2. It's one of the only sources of K2, and I think it might be the only source in the vegetable kingdom for K2. But it's something about the specific enzyme that they use in the fermentation process. It's only in natto. So other, say, fermented soy products like tempeh, miso, do not have the levels of K2. It's only in natto. It's very specific. The other cool thing about natto is uh, it's got the enzyme natto kinase in it, which they've done clinical research in Japan to show that it'll actually eat the arterial plaque in the heart. So if you can get your hands on natto, you're getting the great amounts of K2, but you're also getting the heart-healthy benefits of that natto kinase. It's a, it's a really powerful medicine. I got to start ordering that again. I was I go through little obsessions and little kicks for a while, and I was like, natto, natto. I was yeah. super into it. Yeah. But just buyer beware, listeners, that natto, he, he's not exaggerating when he said that it like smells like feet or tastes like feet. It's, <laughs> it's intense. I mean, I was living with a girlfriend at the time when I was going through that phase, and I would like crack one of those little bins open, yeah. and she would be ac- literally across the other side of the house, and it was a big house, and she'd be like, ew, gross, are you eating those <laughs> stupid natto again? I mean, it like fouls your entire like living space. It's intense. Yeah. But what's interesting is uh, a lot of the K2 supplements are actually made from that natto nice or whatever stuff that's made from natto. They isolate that. So yeah. it, it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I'm a fan of, we'll get back to the panel testing question you asked, I'm a big fan of conscientious supplementation. I'm a big fan of super superfoods, of biohacking, of just, we discussed this too, where I just like to ingest copious amounts of a new product to see how it's going to affect my physiology and my mental health, just to like go there and see what it does. So for me, I'm definitely a fan that, say, if my panel tests come back. Um, One example of this was we did some genetic testing in my panel test, found out that my body genetically is not good at extracting and utilizing folate, B9, from food sources. No clue, right? Going through my whole life not knowing that I have a genetic defect, that my body is an inefficient uptaker. Is that a word? Uptaker of folate. It's like the undertaker, the uptaker. Right, right. I'll be the new WW, the uptaker. (laughs) Me and my 160 pound frame. So, from that information I got from the panel test, it was like, okay, I could keep trying to get it from food sources. Or I could find what is the highest quality folate supplement out there, and I'm done, right? So I don't know if that's necessarily the solution I would have chosen five years ago, where it's like I had this mentality years ago where I had to get everything from food sources. Like, no, don't do supplements, everything from food sources. But now for me, I find that when I take conscious supplementation and I seek out the highest quality one out there, I can notice the difference, man. My body is very sensitive, and when I find something my body needs, it's like an immediate effect. Wow. Yeah. That's so I wonder where were you if you're like you were good on your B12 and stuff like that. I wonder where you were getting enough of that. Well, for me, I was I've always been a big fan of things like spirulina, chlorella, which do have trace amounts of B12. Perhaps it was just that I was eating a ton of it because I do eat a lot of greens. Um, I know things like mm, nutritional yeast. I don't eat a ton of it because I don't like to put a lot of yeast in my body. Uh, that's also got trace amounts of B12. For whatever reason, that was high. Strangely enough, though, things that I wouldn't expect to have been a little deficient in, I was. Uh, Vitamin C, very weird, right? When I got that back, I was like, deficient vitamin C? It's odd as hell. So vitamin C was low. My EPA and DHA were low. My ALA was good. And I asked him about that. He's like, well, what are you eating? I'm like, well, I'm eating hemp seeds and I'm eating flax seeds and chia and a lot of omega-rich foods. I eat purslane, a lot of omegas and purslane. 
He said, yeah, but you're not getting your EPA and your DHA. So what you can do is you can either uh, go on like a krill or a fish oil supplement, or you can do an algae DHA. I was like, well, tell me about the algae DHA. So I found this great algae-based DHA supplement. I've been taking that just to balance those levels. You know what it's called? Um, you, I'd like to put it in the show notes. The, the brand I've been using is Nordic Naturals. Oh, cool. They, uh, I, I really like the quality of their entire lineup, uh, but they have a specific uh, vegan uh, EPA and DHA blend that's made from algae. It's an algae omegas blend. Cool. Yeah, yeah, because that that's the thing is like the fish that you'd get your DHA from is the middleman. Like they're getting it from the algae, bioaccumulating it, and then you're eating your cod liver oil or you're eating, you know, just actual fish flesh and fish fat, and then you're getting it. So it makes sense that you could go directly. Yeah. And yeah. it's been great. I mean, I noticed a, a big difference again, just mentally. Um, we talked about the brain octane oil, right? Just getting a lot of healthy fats. So for me, I noticed that because my metabolism has always been crazy high. I experimented a little bit with kind of being a high carb vegan, a raw foodist years ago, and it just didn't work for me, brother, because I, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> did you, did you get any, a lot of altercations with people? <laughs> like, and stuff like that. I was really moody when I was a vegetarian. I, I didn't know I was on a high carb diet, but I just, I was a glucose machine and I was, my energy was like up and down and my yeah. moods were crazy. Yeah. I, I definitely, when I was a hundred percent raw, I definitely slipped into a very dogmatic mentality around it where it was like, if, if it's cooked or it's not from a plant, it's poison. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to be around it. And I really fell into this dogmatic belief system for about three years when I was doing 100% raw. And what happened for me in getting out of that was I was living in LA. It was like my second year here. We don't get that, that much cold here in the winter. It's like we complain about being 45 degrees, right? Oh, 45, we're teeth chattering in LA. It's so funny. But I was eating cold, damp food all the time, constantly. Like it's the middle of December. I'm eating cold salads, kelp noodles, smoothies, fruit, and I could feel that my body wasn't happy, but I was so in this mental construct, in this dogmatic mental construct of I've got to be raw, but eventually my body just wasn't having it, and I had to pay attention to the signals, so I ended up going to a traditional Chinese medicine doctor and said, well, yeah, your, your spleen is damp. You know, your kidneys are all out of whack. You're eating cold food in the wintertime. Your body wants warm, grounding, fatty, nourishing food. So I started to incorporate cooked foods back in, a lot more fats, uh, a lot more protein. And when I shifted that balance of a higher amount of fat and protein for myself and lowered the carbs, I was like, oh my God, this is the holy grail. So for me, metabolically, I know that I thrive the more fat and the more protein I eat. And even as a vegan, it's very easy for me to get high fat, high protein. I've been weight training for like 18 months now, hardcore brother. And I gained 15 pounds last year, feeling really good on this. But, wow, that's awesome. But I think there's this mentality of if people are vegan or vegetarian, that they're just carbon it up, right? And I think that's a result of YouTube. There's a lot of famous YouTubers out there that are like, yeah, hi, Cobbs, man, cob it up. F cob the fuck up. Cobbs, 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 Cobbs. <laughs> and it's like, that just wasn't working for me. Yeah. I realized I just had to have more fat and protein. My body felt better. Same here. So do you think you're in ketosis some of the time? Or are you like that high fat and low carb where you're, you're on like a ketogenic spectrum? You know, it's funny. People have asked me that. I don't do that mindfully, like where, where I'm perhaps portioning out the amount of fat or the tablespoons of fat. I just know that if I'm going hard on coconut and avocado and flax seeds and chia and my hemp seeds and, and just really getting a good combination of fat and protein... I don't, you know, I don't know if it would be ketogenic. I never really considered I would be in that frame of, of living. And someone asked me the, the other day, they're like, do you have any resources for uh, people doing vegan ketogenic? And I was like, no, but maybe I am and not knowing it. 
Yeah, I don't know. I never test my blood ketones. You can get like a little finger prick thing and you can like test it. I just, I mean, I just don't, who has time for that? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have a biohacker, but I don't do that much (laughs) tracking. The tracking is more like, how do I feel? Yeah. But what happened for me was when I started drinking Bulletproof coffee, which has evolved into like, a bulletproof elixir, basically, where I'm doing ghee or grass-fed butter and the brain octane oil and then some kind of herbs or coffee maybe on some days, depending. I'm, I'm phasing out of caffeine a little bit right now mm-hmm. to test my anxiety levels. But when I first got on bulletproof coffee, I'd have one of those in the morning, say nine o'clock, and I don't who knows how many calories of fat. I mean, it's like super calorically rich. Yeah. And then next thing you know, it's like three, four o'clock, And I've already listened to everyone bicker about where they're eating lunch and just have all this drama, looking at menus. Should we pick it up? Is it delivered? And I'm just watching them go like, what's wrong with you guys? Like, (laughs) who wants to eat? Like, gross, you know? And so what happened was it's like I so easily quit carbs, gluten, sugar. I just had such a stable energy. And part of it was due, I think, in the beginning to the caffeine and the way that that particular recipe of coffee delivers the caffeine in kind of a time-released way. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. But I became ketogenic without even knowing what that was. Yeah. Because I just like, I don't know, I didn't want bread or cereals or granola or any of that stuff anymore. And uh, it really screwed up my sleep because my hormones were like, what? You've been living (laughs) on sugar your whole life. I mean, from the time I was born, I was like a glucose machine. My body didn't even know what fat was. I really didn't eat fat except for horrible fat like cheese and shit, you know? So... I started, I was working with Dave Asprey at the time as uh, doing like nutritional coaching, which ended up morphing into like entrepreneurial coaching and I still do and it's great. But in the beginning I was like, dude, I'm on your coffee. What the hell? Like I can't sleep and I only have one cup of it in the morning. He's like, dude, you're in ketosis. You got to eat some carbs at night because your hormones are freaking out. What happens is you get these crazy cortisol spikes in the middle of the night and wake up, I wake up with my heart pounding and I'm like, what the hell? So it's been like, I mean, that was a few years ago, but it's it's been a balance to kind of, for me, finding where to spike the carbs in so that I'm not full on ketosis. So it's sort of like a cyclical ketosis is what it feels like. And that's, I'm imagining probably where you're at too, you know, because you're noticing that energy and like, you're not, I'm assuming you're not craving like carbs and sweets and stuff as you would before you got this high fat diet going. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like I... I noticed that in the past, it was like a a salt and a sugar thing for me. And there's been some interesting research uh, around sugar cravings where some people say it could be candida, which is a very real thing. But other people have pointed to um, that under-mineralization can cause sugar cravings. So as I was more mindful of increasing my mineral intake, right, magnesium, zinc, uh, what else did I focus on? Um, Why can't I think of the third one I was focusing on right now? Selenium? It was selenium. I was eating a lot of Brazil nuts. Thank you. Uh, really balancing out my mineral intake combined with higher fat, higher protein, it wasn't like I had to have the sugar anymore. So in kind of just being intuitive and also combining that with some research, it was like, well, if I up my, up my minerals and the fat and protein, let's see what happens. But I'm also not like a carb Nazi. Like you mentioned it in the evening time. I know that if I have, say, say some dark cherry juice, right? I'm going to increase my melatonin. It's going to help me sleep. If I have like some, uh, some, you know, GABA rich brown rice right before bedtime, or that's like a small portion, I know that's going to help me sleep better. So I'm not anti-carb by any means. I just know that the ratio now is much, much lower than it was for me in the past. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I, it, it seems like you're someone that intuitively is very, 
able to listen to your body too, you know, which is yeah. it's taken me a long time to get there. I noticed something recently though that's kind of interesting. You mentioned um, that black cherry juice. I love those um, wild blueberries from Maine, whatever that brand is. I can never remember the goddamn name, but it comes in the blue bag. You know, the really chronic wild blueberries. Oh, is it? Is it Stallbush? No, it's not Stallbush. God, I haven't. I wish I could get up from the mic. They're in my freezer, but there's this one kind from Maine, and they're really tiny and they're super tart and just they're amazing, amazing, like truly wild, not cultivated. Yeah. But I've always liked those. But you know, I eat a few spoonfuls here and there. But recently, I started crushing. I think they come in like a half pound bag. <laughs> like I eat a whole bag of those almost every night. Like I'm just on a blueberry thing. And then the other day, I was talking to someone about how I'm becoming nearsighted. Like I just can't see far anymore. I, I started noticing when I go into like a smoothie shop, I'm like the old guy that can't. I'm like, what does that say? You know? I'm like, do you have this printed? And I just I can't see shit. I can't read street signs. Like when I was um, at the Longevity Now conference recently and the Bulletproof conference, I would ask the person next to me, like, can you see the slides that they're showing their PowerPoint? They're like, yeah, dude, of course. I'm like, I can't read one word. Wow. Yeah, but interestingly enough, someone recently mentioned, they're like, oh, you know, the number one food for eyes is blueberries. I was like, oh, that's trippy. I became, I was not aware of that. I wasn't like, well, my eyes are going. I better crush a pound of blueberries every <laughs> single night before bed. Yeah. But my body's going, whatever's in blueberries, my body really, really wants it. And that's yeah. like, that's my carb fix now. But what I noticed is when I do carbs at night like that, I sleep great. It's like part of my sleep, you know, regimen. And I don't know what that's all about. Maybe I'm coming out of ketosis finally at the end of the day and kind of settle down. But I love eating berries at night. That's awesome. I have not done that. I'm usually like, it's funny, if I have my berries, which I love just tart, tart berries, acai, olala berries, blueberries, I'll usually have them in the morning, probably because I'm mentally conditioned to think like, well, you eat berries in the morning, right? That's just what you do. But I've never thought to have them at night. <laughs> That's, That's interesting. I just never That's thought to funny. do it. Well, I, I, I guess I don't eat them in the morning because I eat my high fat drink, whether that's an elixir or coffee. And once I drink that, I'm like, ew, gross. I'm not eating anything for hours. <laughs> like you couldn't pay me to eat any food. Uh, you mentioned something. I want to jump back to sleep. You said that mm -hmm. you found some sleep supplements. I'm curious what you what you found supplementally to help your sleep. Yeah, um, valerian root tea has been amazing for that for me. Uh, guayusa, which is like a lucid dreaming tea. I've been uh, been taking that for a few years now, which is amazing. Uh, guayusa. And then I've been doing magnesium supplements. I was asking you before the podcast what you take. I'm a big fan of um, the Mineral Life. Uh, it's an ionic magnesium, and it's really, really bitter. I mean, it's like... Is it a liquid? It's a liquid, oh, yeah. okay, cool. It's, it's a liquid. I've been using that. Um, uh, Jay Denman from the Jing Slingers turned me on to that years ago. But I find uh, magnesium is interesting because not only has it helped me sleep better, but the next morning it gives you raging morning wood. I don't know if you've had that experience <laughs> on magnesium, bro, but like that's funny. the next morning it's just like, pow, like just I thought pogo. That, I always <laughs> say that's the pine pollen. Like pine pollen seems to have that effect. But I also, like I was telling you earlier, I pound a lot of magnesium and I try all different types. So maybe that has to do with it too. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't get that effect though with uh, with powdered magnesium uh, or, or any other kind. It's just this one brand of liquid magnesium hits my body in a particular way that... Well, I'm putting, that, wood. I'm putting that in the show notes and we're going to just tag that morning wood magnesium. You're welcome, ladies and, and gentlemen. Yeah, and uh, and also I'm getting some. That's amazing. <laughs> so tell us about your new book. 
Yeah. What's what's that all about? Because uh, I watch your YouTube videos and stuff, and I'm like, I said, I was a vegetarian for 10 years, and I ate a healthy diet for that time, but now I could never live on that. And even now, if I think about, wow, I wonder if I could eat and not eat animal products, it would be really hard because I don't know how to cook. And like anything I make that's not animally just tastes horrendous. But I look at your YouTube videos, I'm like, oh my God, this looks delicious. Like this Thai cabbage little, I mean, just really like high nutrition and really, really tasty looking stuff. I'm like, if I had a roommate or someone that like could cook like that, I could get a lot more animal. I mean, a lot more plant foods in because it could actually make it taste good. Because my my plant foods now basically is like I get a bunch of greens and throw them in the Vitamix and I make like a mystery green smoothie every day and have, you know, a a pretty large portion of vegetables in that, but it's like, I don't enjoy it per se. It's like the same old. So what's the magic about your book? Uh, the magic about the book is, first of all, really, really easy, very functional recipes. So there's 154 vegan recipes. Uh, they're very, very nutrient dense. I don't, I don't focus on caloric density in my teachings and my philosophy as much as I do nutrient density. I want people to get as much full spectrum nutrition as possible in the recipes. But the book itself is broken down into categories that are a bit unusual. Uh, we lead off with eat for better sex eat for better sleep, Ooh. eat for muscle <laughs> okay, building, okay. Uh, eat for bone health. Uh, we've got eat for better eyesight, uh, eat for less stress. So all the 14 chapters are really about showing people not only the how and the what of the recipes, but the why. Of if, we put these, if we put these ingredients together in a recipe, what is it going to potentially do for your body? Based on the clinical research, based on these combination of ingredients, if you eat this, The intention is by making these recipes and eating these specific plant foods, you can hopefully achieve your health goals, which is exactly why I broke it down into 14 different chapters. So a lot of research went into this book, a lot of recipe development, but I really feel like it's um, kind of functional eating 101 meets just a kick-ass food porn recipe book. Like recipes are great, tested the hell out of them. And whether someone is vegetarian or vegan, or they just want to incorporate more plant foods once in a while, I feel like it's for everybody. And I had definitely had everybody in mind when I wrote it, not just vegans. Yeah, well, I, I know you do like, you'll do plant-based paleo uh, meals too, yep. which is cool. Yeah. So that, you know, because that was the thing, like when I was a vegetarian, I was eating so like grains like crazy and everything I ate basically came out of a moldy silo. You know <laughs> what I mean? So I was just like... <laughs> oats and granola and you know rice and all kinds of forms of gluten and it was just such an inflammatory diet so it's like now i'm like god i would love to eat more vegetables if if they could taste good (laughs) you know what i mean and like knowing the right combinations that's very that's a thoughtful way to do it like kind of addressing different um aspects of your life so what are the what are the chronic um foods we could be eating to become more sexually vibrant and healthy i mean for me i definitely see uh, anything that's going to help with blood flow so we talked about magnesium rich foods uh, anything that's uh, high in magnesium cacao uh, magnesium supplements um i'm a big fan of pumpkin seeds Anything that's really going to get our blood moving, uh, because for so many people, one of the reasons they have uh, poor sexual function, especially men, is because their arteries are just fucked. I mean, the blood is just not moving through there. So magnesium-rich foods is a great way to do that. Uh, for men especially, well, men and women, when you have elevated levels of testosterone, you really have generally a high sex drive. So for me, you mentioned pine pollen. Love, love, love pine pollen. Uh, Sir Thrival's a great brand. Love what Daniel's up to. Love his pine pollen. Um, anything as far as like raw chocolate desserts, um, what else could I recommend for sexual health? Asparagus actually is a really, <laughs> asparagus is very funny and here's why. Asparagus is very high in B-complex vitamins, 
But the rub with asparagus is that if you're just dating someone new and you eat asparagus, it's going to make your pee uh, and your cum smell funny. <laughs> so Dude, so, that's so funny. it's kind of torturous in a way that they're like, oh, cool. Asparagus is libido boosting food, but it's not going to really leave the best first impression. That so, is that is funny, dude, because there's certain <laughs> things like that that are wives' tales. It's like, oh, this food does this or this thing does that. And it's like, well, no, it doesn't. But asparagus making your pee stink is like 100% verifiable. Well, and your ejaculate, Every, too. Yeah, but I didn't know that part. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever, I've never tested that for some reason. I'm just letting you guys know out there, if you're just seeing somebody new and you want to get your sex drive up, maybe leave asparagus like That's away for a little so while. God, how long could I have lived and not known that? Well, you know now. Oh, man, that's so. If you want to play a prank on someone, you can. That's hilarious, man. (laughs) I did not know that. I wonder why that is. That's so weird. I don't know. And you know there's that thing about how if you look at a plant, you can match it to your your body part that it's good for. So, like, if you look at carrots, you know, you cut a carrot, it's sort of like the iris of your eye and whatever. There's a million of them. Right. It's like they'll correspond to your heart or a different organ based on how they look, which is fascinating. So the asparagus (laughs) affecting, you know, your nether regions kind of makes sense (laughs) based on shape. It even has, like, a little head on it, you know? It's like, wow, never thought about that. It's nature's little cruel prank on us. That's funny. And then what about the testosterone? How did you end up, you mentioned that you started like lifting weight and doing things like that what else did you do to get your testosterone levels higher yeah for me i just uh, started focusing on again just a lot more fat supplementing with pine pollen and i noticed that when i was doing a lot more intermittent fasting throughout the week you know i would just get these these spikes of like just really primal masculine energy a big thing too that i found what helped me with elevating my testosterone was besides the fasting well it's part of the fasting i was in this habit of uh, eating a big ass meal before I would go to the gym, right? And I noticed that mm, I wasn't really getting the kind of energetic results I want. I wasn't feeling kind of like that, you know, just that that primal, just hormonal response that I, I wanted. So I would actually fast, and I would just drink drink a tonic or drink some liquids. I would go hit an hour and a half, ninety minute workout, and then I would have a meal. So I flipped it. So for me, I just found that I had just a more acute hormonal response, more energy, more of that not a roid ragey energy. I don't know how to describe it. Just that caveman primal thing of like, I'm going to go lift some heavy ass weight when I would wait longer to eat a meal. So it's kind of counterintuitive because the way I grew up was like, oh, if you're going to go into a competition or play basketball like I used to or track or lift weights, you got to eat a big meal beforehand. I found for me, fasting as long as possible actually had better performance results for me in the gym. Kind of counterintuitive to the way we grew up, at least how I grew up. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never exercised in my life growing up. No, I have no idea. But if I like, actually, a couple (laughs) nights. Well, my brother is super into fitness. He owns a gym in LA. People, it's called Story Fitness. It's awesome. It's on Pico and Hauser. But you know, both my brothers are pretty athletic, and they got me into finally like going to the gym years ago in my thirties, I guess. But what I um, find, and this happened to me the other night, is if I eat before I go to the gym, I'll get indigestion. Like I, the other day, I was just like, I timed it wrong. I went to a night class where normally I work out in the morning and I ate some like ground bison, sort of sloppy joe, like really heavy, fatty, meaty thing. And then I was like, oh, cool. Now I'll go work out and that'll turn into muscle. It's like, no, it doesn't work that <laughs> way. <laughs> but I started getting heartburn. I was like, oh God, why did I eat? Like if I would have just waited, I could have crushed it afterward, you know? So yeah, I agree just because to me, it just makes the common sense that if your body's under that stress, then it's going to stop digesting. So my body's like, cool, you want to do a high-intensity workout, Luke? Good for you. Well, we're not going to pay attention to your stomach anymore. 
we're just going to let that shit ferment <laughs> while you go try to be a muscle man. Yeah. So I don't, I can't do that either. What, what, um, if you're going to have a drink, do you have like a, a cool, like workout drink that, oh, yeah. that gets you pumped up? I will, uh, it doesn't taste that good. I'm just going to go on record to say that doesn't taste that good, but it works. Uh, I really love um, raw beet juice right now because of the nitric oxide, just that rush, that that flush through your bloodstream. So I'll do like raw beet juice um, for a natural source of caffeine. I really love stuff like guarana. Um, I will put in pine pollen. I'll put in maca powder. I really love black for for me. Whatever reason, I haven't researched this aspect of it, but black maca powder has a much more acute response in my body. Uh, and it has to be gelatinized. I've done some experiments with um, roasted or gelatinized maca versus raw maca. And the indigenous cultures that have used and cultivated maca never, ever consumed it raw, ever. Unless you want to like blow the house up farting. <laughs> That's a yeah. great idea. Yeah, it's it's a like, great, yeah. uh, do you want to grind up potatoes and eat potatoes <laughs> raw? No, don't eat maca raw. No. Yeah, so I, you know, I'll throw yeah. in some maca. Um, I'll usually do just a, a base of like um, fresh coconut or hemp milk. I'll sweeten it with some omica stevia. Um, what else do I put in there? A uh, little bit of, yeah, I said hemp milk, coconut milk. I keep it really, really basic. Or I'll just, there's this great product out there called Maccachino that I've been using. I wanted to comment on coffee. I was doing coffee for a long time, and I realized that for me, my body just didn't like it. It was just too, I, I did Bulletproof too. I got on that train, was doing Bulletproof. For me, for my body, it was just too much because I'm a high energy, like super strung out guy normally. So for me, it was getting off of that form of caffeine and trying to substitute it with others. So the guarana has been great for me. So I'll just blend that all up, take it to the gym, sip probably half of it before I do my workout, and then sip the rest as I go. And I just hydrate like hell throughout the workout. Um, but I won't actually eat my first solid meal until I'm completely wrapped, probably 30 to 45 minutes after I'm done at the gym. And I found my results have been a lot greater that way. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, I recently started buying the little beet extract. I don't know if you've yeah. seen those little bottles. Yeah. That stuff is dope. I think there's like four whole beets in a tiny little shot glass or something. So I'll do like, um, what do I do? I do the beets and then I put uh, creatine and then the branch chain amino acids and I don't know, you know, other things that I just happen to be laying around. But that's kind of the main little formula. Oh, and then Unfair Advantage from, um, I love unfair yeah, advantage, from Bulletproof. Dude. That's like... Anyone listening, if you need energy, that supplement. Um, and by the way, you can go to bulletproof.com. And I think I have a code that's Luke's story, and you can save 10% off on any time I ever mention Bulletproof, just as an FYI. But the unfair advantage is really good for working out. Like, I'll even, if I'm sort of slumping in a workout, I'll just, I keep a stash of those at my brother's gym and I'll just pound one of those. And I swear to God, like, it's one of those things you actually notice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a lot of supplements, you're like, is it working? It's like when you're a teenager and you take bunk acid and you're like, are you feeling anything? <laughs> Me either. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's how most supplements are. I'm like, I don't know. Is it doing anything? I can't really tell. But the ones that do stuff like pine pollen, when I first got on the Sir Thrival pine pollen, I was like, whoa, dude, I'm super horny. Like <laughs> <laughs> something happened that, you know, there's like quantifiable result. But yeah, the um, the unfair advantage is great for working out too. Yeah, I do that also. And, and I also found that in the writing of the book, you know, those late, late, late nights where it was like, okay, I'm under deadline and I'm probably not going to sleep. I would pop a couple of those at like 11 p.m. midnight. Damn. And I would just stay up for another four hours writing. So I've done unfair advantage for workouts, but I've also done it for writing sessions. And it is a legitimate product. I mean, it's feeding your mitochondria. It's feeding your ATP. It's like, it's a legit awesome booster. 
Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. So so you've got all these recipes. You've got your J-Row show on YouTube, which I suggest. If you're someone who likes to cook or someone that wants to learn about cooking, I highly recommend his videos because you can tell he's got a big personality. I'm talking about you like you're not here, like that <laughs> third person thing, <laughs> like plugging you. But I can't plug you to you. I'm plugging you, the listener, coming through this microphone. But his videos are fantastic and uh you know, you have so many recipes, and I know you have a history of working with celebrities and things like that. So, you know, you went to culinary school, like you're an actual chef. Like, how long have you been coming up with these recipes, and who are some of the awesome people that you've tested them out on? I've been doing this professionally for uh, over 11 years now. So, I graduated culinary school in 05 and, uh, you know, did the whole stint in the restaurant world, but I realized that that really wasn't. How I wanted to express myself. I wanted to get just the basics there. And if yeah, you're having, a, having a job, yeah, having a job sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was just the, the restaurant world though, man. It's, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest. I just didn't see myself making the kind of living I wanted to there. I didn't feel like my talents being in the back of the house were being fully expressed. And uh, prior to being a chef, I was doing acting, doing music. I grew up in Detroit, lived in Chicago, New York, right? So I've been in bands for many years, was always very comfortable being on a stage. And What instrument do you play? Uh, I sing and play guitar. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, so for me, it was, it was this desire to you know, hybridize the world I came from, which was being a performer, being an artist, and now somehow merging that with the culinary world. So I started to shift gears right around 09 when you know I started my YouTube channel, got a little more serious about social media, and I started picking up celebrity clients. So that was really the big turning point in my career. That was also the first year I did the Longevity Conference was 2009. I met up with David Wolf, and David really got behind my product. He loved my food, and he said, hey, you know, I want to put you out on a stage, get your brand out there. So David has been very instrumental for the last seven years in help elevating my brand, get my message out there. So um, yeah, right around then, man, I just started hardcore developing recipes right around 08, 09. Uh, I had a catering business that I closed because the personal chefing thing was taking off and I had to make a decision. It was like, what am I going to do? Am I going to keep doing this or am I going to focus on my media and you know catering to celebrities? So right around 2009, 2010, I made that pivot and uh, I've worked with some great people, man. Jeremy Piven, Woody Harrelson, Sigourney Weaver, Russell Simmons, uh, Steve Buscemi, Flea, Isabella Johnny just fed some really awesome people. And it's an interesting thing, you know, as you know, working with celebrities as you have in your career, meeting them, that you'll hear stories about people. And this is a good life lesson I extracted from that is, oh, well, they're a pain in the ass to work with, or oh, he or she's an asshole, or they're a diva, or this or that. Whatever reason, maybe it's just like how, how my alchemy worked with these people. I got treated so well, and I got treated with such kindness and such respect and had great relationships with whomever I worked with that... It's just important to have your own experience with a human being and not listen to like kind of the hearsay you might hear around a person because that's what the media feeds off of, right? So that whole experience of doing celebrity chefing for a few years was just a great life lesson and have your own authentic experience with another human being and don't go in, you know, with these preconceived notions of how they may or may not be. I... (laughs) Just, I'm thinking immediately as you're talking, I'm thinking of like nightmare people that I work oh, with. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> oh, God. but many, you know, many of them were super cool. That's the thing, though. And some that other people think would have been a nightmare. Like I work with Marilyn Manson for a long time as a stylist. And everyone's like, oh, my God, what's he like? Is he mean? Or this or that. I was like, oh, my God, he's the best client ever. We had such a blast, dude. I mean, he's amazing. He's yeah. super fun. Just total, totally insane and smart <laughs> and fun. And, 
I mean, it was one of the most relaxing jobs for me because we were like on the same level in a certain way. You know, yeah. there was other people that you think would be really, I don't know, just like pop artists and stuff. I don't want to name names, the ones that were jerks, but ones that you think are like more squeaky clean. And they're like, God, they were such a pain in the ass sometimes. So I, I like that you're experienced. But when you read off the list of some of the big names you worked with, I'm like, yeah, but those are all nice people. You know, I think you're like, <laughs> it doesn't, your list doesn't count. I mean, can you picture Woody Harrelson like being a dick? I mean, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like he's a very conscious soul and flea. And, you know, other people you mentioned, I'm like, I wouldn't think any Russell Simmons, I wouldn't think any of them would be jerks anyway. But I appreciate your perspective. And, and also, it's like, I think when you work with celebrities, it, a lot of, a lot of how you're going to be treated depending it depends on what your role is with them you right. know and also it's not them all the time but it's their entourage it's like the people that are around them to insulate them mm. slash ie siphon money from them <laughs> I mean, that's Hollywood. It's like, <laughs> so you have five publicists that, you know, it's like the stylist, they're yelling at me. One likes the shoes and one doesn't. And, you know, there's all these secrets being told and everyone's whispering and everyone's walking on eggshells and it's this whole weird scene. But I'm not going to their house, like making them a beautiful meal. You know, it's like they're like, as a stylist, they're at work. Mm. they're doing their job and who really likes to be at work at the end of the day actually they're not like if you're doing a musician or actor as a stylist they're not doing their job they're actually doing the bullshit part of it that they don't want to do a lot of the time yeah to support them in doing their real job which is to go do a film a tv show a tour an album or whatever so it's like sometimes i would feel like god i bet this person's really cool if we could just go hang yeah but they're not cool because they have all this pressure around them all these other people that have expectations and rules and a time schedule and all these people are making money off of them as a human product you know and that creates this inherent pressure and then the person is like do they really want to spend their thursday trying on 45 outfits right. and having their picture taken and you know having to be on like that. So I would give people a break a lot because I'm like, oh, I, I can see why they're not maybe that friendly or things like that. But I love your experience. And I, I think <laughs> you might possibly be biased because you're like <laughs> seeing them in a leisurely time when they're like enjoying their life and they're not under the same kind of pressure. It's a good point. It's a and good point. And also, I totally agree that um, outward appearances are not always the truth. And, you yeah. know, and you bring out the best in people. I mean, I've had celebrities show up on set and they're being a total dick and I just send them masses of unconditional love and and compassion without even saying a word. I'm just very open to them. And then they just shift in front of me. You know, it's that like personal alchemy yeah. that some of us have the ability to use as well. You're talking about the personal alchemy. I, I think... Um what I've noticed is people in positions of power, influence, celebrity, if you engage with them like a normal human being, like a kind, generous, open, loving, normal human being, the appreciation level is so high because you know they're getting bombarded, like you said, or siphoned by all these people of just take, 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 take their attention, take their money, take their energy. And I don't know, it's just such a simple thing to say, I just want to connect with this person on a basic human level. I'm not trying to get anything from them. I'm not trying to get an autograph or a selfie or siphon, just... I just want to try and <laughs> you like try my siphon word. Huh? It was great. No, I like it. It was great. But but just you know remembering that and not to minimize. But one of my great vocal coaches from years ago, when I was tripping on working with some of these celebrities, he's like he's like Jason. They're just a working actor. Not to minimize their accomplishments, but you're deifying this person. He's like, stop tripping. Like 
they're an actor who happened to get on a track and they consistently work. He's like, that's what they are. Treat them like a loving, respectful human being, but don't trip balls when you're near them. Like they're not some God. And I feel like it's almost like going, going counter to the celebrity culture we've created in our, our society where we do deify people, but then we forget their humanity sometimes. And I think it's important to remember each other's humanity. Yeah, totally, man. Absolutely. I mean, when I would work with someone who was very famous, but I wasn't a fan of theirs at mm-hmm. all, I would think, well, I won't be nervous. Like if I was meeting Keith Richards or Robert De Niro, or like if I was working with an icon, I would be nervous as shit because like, I don't know, you, whenever I'm scared, I always look at what do I want? It mm-hmm. means I want something. So if I'm working with Robert De Niro and I'm nervous, it's because I want him to like me, period. You know, it's yeah. just my instinct for approval is getting out of control and I'm nervous. I worked with a lot of famous people and I couldn't give a shit about them. Like there's some pop singer, like I would never go to their concert. I would turn their song off if it came on the radio. <laughs> I'm just not a fan, but I would still find myself being nervous. And I would look at that and be like, why am I nervous if I totally am not even into what they do? I mean, you know, I respect that they're successful, but it's not my thing. And it really was all the people around them made me nervous because those people put them on such a pedestal and deified them that like the whole entourage and the whole scene made everybody nervous and everyone would have this amnesia and they would forget this is just some like 21 year old kid that like has a good voice and can dance like Really? Why are, we, why are we all nervous? Right. It's like a person that has a certain sort of outward ability that attracts other people. If this was like the world's uh, most profound mathematician, would we all be like whispering <laughs> and shaking and acting all paranoid? No, it's like there's plenty of exceptional people. But when those exceptional people are getting deified by the world and by everyone around them, it's it's really hard to not get caught up in that. Yeah. I used to notice that. I'm like, why am I nervous? God, stop it, Luke. You don't even care about this person. Yeah. Just do your job. Okay, last call. We don't care where you go, folks, but you can't stay here. This party is shutting down. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. I can't begin to express to you how much it means to me that you're hearing my voice and that you caught this awesome episode with Jason Robel. I want to remind you that this is a long two-part interview. So if you want to hear the rest of the good stuff, don't forget to tune in this Friday for part two. This is a two-part episode. Thanks so much for listening, and I can't wait to drop that on you this week. Did you dig that episode or what? I know I did. Well, check it out. If you want them to keep coming every week and ensure that the quality not only remains the same, but continues to improve, you can go to lukestory.com forward slash support and offer a small one-time or even a monthly pledge to help fund this podcast. Again, go to lukestory.com forward slash support. Anything you can contribute would be greatly appreciated.